Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get my podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all these apps people like to listen to? How do I make money from my podcast? And when the answer to really all these is one, one answer, and that is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast, and, and best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsorships who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. How do you think I'm going to pay off my beach house? How do you think I'm going to do I, I don't have a beach house, but I want one someday, and maybe some podcast ads will help pay for that. Am I right, Tim? Spot on. So I love Anchor. I love it. It makes my life so much easier. It makes our lives so much easier. It distributes to all those great apps just by a click of a button. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, you got to go to anchor.fm slash start. That is anchor.fm wait, anchor.fm slash start to join me in this huge community of podcasters here on Anchor. That again is anchor.fm slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast. So I just got back from uh, my uh, brother's apartment. It's his birthday. Shout out to Chuck for uh, turning 30 today. 30 years old, which means that I am soon turning 27, which is strange in its own right. Um, but yeah. it's so weird to think that Chuck's fucking 30. I know, dude. It's so strange. So strange. But, uh, you know, he's he's doing well and, and uh, you know, taking on 30 uh, better than I probably would. Because, uh, man, I am. Uh, just, it's bizarre. That's a, just a milestone age. So uh, <clears throat> that's that's the officially out of the. Uh, so, I mean, once you turn 30, you're no longer in your 20s, you know. That is that is correct. <laughs> but uh, we went over to oh, so man. so we did. Charlie Charlie is worried about giving anyone the coronavirus or anything like that. Uh, he's he's playing it totally cautious, which I totally get. I I am as well. Um, so we really he didn't want anyone really coming in the apartment yet. Um, so we just kind of hung out, literally in his parking lot, uh, and he was on his balcony to his apartment. That's right right above the parking lot, and we had cake and ice cream with him and the fam. Just had a good time, talked, and uh, made the most of it, and it was a it was a, it was a fun little fun little chat, fun little thing. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday to uh, to uh, uh, sometimes guest host Charles Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Guest host of three three episodes, I think. Uh, Chuck Chuck Lee in there, uh, but yeah, man, dude, let me tell you. Hey, those are the three three best episodes. They really are. It's all gone downhill from there. Uh, but uh, dude, parents made homemade. Oreo ice cream, cookies and cream ice cream. Oh, oh, <clears throat> oh! So good, so good, man. But uh, you know, you know. I'm really mad at Chuck. I know it's his birthday and all. Why is that? But that guy, two maybe three weeks ago, told me the revival of PC gaming for him is on its way. And I have not seen him on in the last three weeks. <laughs> it's he's I'm still he's, waiting. I think you I got to trust the process. Building up anticipation. It could be he. Um, 
got called back to work, I think, about three weeks ago. <laughs> so, oh, did so he? yeah, yeah, because he was uh, he was uh, furloughed when the virus first hit, and then I think he was brought back about three weeks ago. So he's back in the yeah. office um, working. So that might be that might have dampened his uh, PC gaming spirits uh, for now. But I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be mm. fired back up again soon. Um, no doubt about it, dude. I got. See, I'll I didn't, tell you this. I didn't know he was furloughed. Yeah, yep, he was. I, uh, I just kept seeing him on WoW, and I was like, oh, my God, you're playing WoW and working at the same time? Because I assume he's, like, working at home. <laughs> yeah, so no. I think he, wor- he works an office job now, right? Like, he, he coordinates, like, all the service decks, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he is a man. Yeah, he's a – yeah, exactly. He manages the some of the service decks, sends them out to where they need to go and everything. So I was like, so. man, he is crushing his job and crushing some classic WoW. <laughs> he is. He is just a he, – he's killing it on all facets, no doubt about it, yeah. Dude, I'll tell you this, though. Speaking of somewhat PC gaming, even though this has really nothing to do with PC gaming because it's not a PC, but I got an Oculus Quest the other day. And, oh, man, I cannot wait to keep diving into that thing. It's my first... I'd say that's, I'd say that's PC gaming because the yeah. original Oculus was a PC-driven software slash... Uh, I don't know if software. Slash hardware. There we go. Right, right. And the quest it, just takes that away, right? Because it's all preloaded on the headset now. Exactly, it's its own. It's its own like console actually in the headset itself. Um, so it, yeah, dude, it it just it's blew me away. I did only a couple demos, but I'm gonna like dive into some Vader Immortal before long, and uh, I just can't wait. It just looks like it. It's been, dude. It's been, it's been crazy. What was the, what was the most recent one that was a huge hit? Uh, Half Life Alex or something like that. Yeah, you tried that? something like that. I haven't played that yet. Uh, uh, I, that's on my list though, because people say that game is incredible. So uh, I hear that, and I hear uh, what the newest Walking Dead, yeah, virtual dude, I, reality I, game. I heard that was great too. Yeah. So oh, and they did. They just they, they just announced Star Wars Galaxy Edge, uh, Galaxy's Edge, like virtual reality experience where you're gonna go to Galaxy's Edge in virtual reality and interact with uh, new new and known characters and i just can't wait for that either that's coming what's later uh, in 2020 so. what's what's the entry fee looking like for that what, what uh what's that <laughs> what's the I'm entry joking. fee oh, yeah. what's, what's the entry fee i believe you have to pay at least 500 dollars for a park ticket uh to, to be okay, able to okay. actually go to the virtual reality park uh, yeah they're that. really selling it as a vip experience because you have the park to yourself yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's you're totally alone and you know you can't do anything actually in the park. You just literally walk around. Uh, it's actually it's a it's a the virtual reality experience is a guy who wore a camera in the park one day. So you you're gonna be basically that camera, and uh, your virtual reality experience is watching other people enjoy the park while you are literally not and just watching. Them. Oh, so is that that's really what it is? It's literally oh no, no. walking the park. Oh, okay, <laughs> no, no, I it's like, going, oh my god, they're building like a virtual Black Spire outpost, which is which is Galaxy's Edge. Uh, and yep. uh, you're gonna like walk around the city and do missions and stuff, and it sounds like it's gonna be pretty fun. So, okay, uh, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Pretty neat. But you know what else is pretty neat? I'll tell you what else is pretty neat. Uh, the 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 movie news has been crazy. It's been it's been all it's been, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I'm excited. We're excited. Let's uh let's uh get this thing going on today's episode of Cinemaxic. We're going to talk about, as always, what did we watch this week or the past couple weeks? It's been a couple weeks since you've heard from us. We're going to do a Scoob review. We're going to talk that Tenet 2 trailer, the Snyder Cut. Oh, my God, it's finally here. 
Robert Pattinson says he's not working out for Batman, and Indy 5 has found its director. We're also going to talk Christopher Nolan's filmmaking and the power of his ideas. It's all happening right here, right now. It's time to dive in. This is Cinemaxic. That was pretty solid. I'm uh, uh, that was uh, I'm, I'm in rare form. I'm in rare form today, guys. That before was, uh, we before we get into the tenant portion of it, is everyone else's mind fucked as I am? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine if you walked away from that trailer with that without feeling that way, then, I mean, yeah, it, dude, it just it it feels like it, it, for me, it's like almost like if the y axis is if the y axis is Inception, the x axis is Tenant. It like it seems like a like a, a literally a. a almost like a makeshift sequel, like a spiritual sequel to, to, to Inception with the way it's shot yeah. and the score and the ideas. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, oh, guys, yeah, yeah, you- yeah. I just had to say something because I was so mind <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Cinemaxic Podcast, another remote episode of the Cinemaxic Podcast. Uh, today, I am joined by my cohorts, uh, Jordan Katzer dialing in from Lake of the Ozarks. Jordan, were you one of those oh, people yeah, in the dude, pool? Dude, I'm out here throwing ragers, getting intimate with some people. Yeah, were you one of the I'm 500 gonna... people in that pool? Were you in the Corona suit? No, <laughs> no. I uh, I'd like to pride myself on being a somewhat intelligent human being. Dude, I love that <laughs> shot of like the pool literally packed, everyone in there, and there's a sign that says, "Please practice social distancing." <laughs> It's like yeah. there's not a single person in this fuck. The person hanging that banner wasn't practicing social distancing. Jesus, dude, it was. I don't even. I don't even want to talk about that. That was just bizarre and. Uh, very, I was like, come on, guys. Yeah, it come was. On. It was funny. It was funny to see all that come out, and I was like, God, it's making a bad name for the middle of nowhere. Dude, I'll say, Missouri, but I'll say, I'll say, it, it was, <laughs> it's a typical. It's a total Missouri move. I feel like. Oh yeah, dude. This is this is America. Dude. We do what we want, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'll, those people were doing. And I'll say this. Not smart, I, but. I, I honestly, coronavirus or not, you could not pay me to enter that pool with how busy it was. I, I, why would, I don't even, like, what? maybe I'm just a bummer, but, like, who finds that fun? Like, I want to go swim in a pool and be in water where I am literally Actually, surrounded by people in every direction, spilling beer, peeing, doing God knows what else. It, it was like. I, I I don't even get the appeal of that coronavirus. Yeah, or not, I was I reading I was it. reading some jokes today that was like coronavirus was like number six or seven on the list of the things you should be worried about getting out of that pool, getting in and out of that pool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, also, God. also as you just heard, uh, Tim's Tim's growly voice there. Uh, growly. I don't I don't know what that means. Um, my, I don't uh, mean either. Co-host yeah. uh, Tim Reichwith at Tim Trist. Tim, how you doing today, my friend? Oh, uh, you know, just taking it one day at a time. One day Signing for time. things to get back to normal. It's slowly but surely getting there. Uh, it's starting. Life is starting to feel a little bit like normal, but uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully things uh, keep on keeping on. Things dropping, people getting better, uh, and uh, you know, things don't come back around. So good to have you back, 
Tim on the podcast. And as always, I am your host, Max Liam, at Max Fozzie. As always, in the hosting chair of the Cinemaxic podcast. Uh, a couple things just up top. I want to do a little, a little, uh, little house cleaning, a little spring cleaning. Uh, got some cool things coming uh, to our podcast listeners. Uh, some new updates to the podcast channel uh, that that are just you know minor, but for but for me, exciting nonetheless. You guys will hear about those on I think next week's podcast. Uh, and we are also recording a Force Vision podcast tomorrow. Tim and I are going to be doing some drinking and uh, recording a Force Vision, getting a little drunk. It should be a lot of fun. So we're going to be doing that tomorrow. And if all plays out. Uh, a week from now, we might be doing a live stream uh, for either Force Vision, maybe for Force Vision and for Cinemaxic. Uh, we have fun plans. If it works out, I want to do some trivia, some uh, movie trivia schmodown. If you guys haven't heard of that, you will be aware of it by the time that uh, that live stream's over. It's a lot of fun. It's a competitive trivia game. I, I want to incorporate that into one of our live streams. We'll be drinking. Uh, we're going to reveal some of the new things for the podcast uh, that I was just telling you about. That's going to be exciting. And we have some fun things coming to the YouTube channel, not just the live streams, but also uh, we're wanting to do more reviews and kind of just different little bits of content and just kind of, you know, test the waters of doing some video content on YouTube and see, you know, see what, what comes of it. We're going to do some writing, some reviews, some, some thoughts, opinions, whatnot. Put it out there on the YouTubes. Guys, if you don't follow us already, please go and subscribe to the Cinemaxic YouTube channel. It's at Cinemaxic, same as the podcast name. It's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, and uh, it's something that we could definitely all work on since we're all, you know, remote right now. Uh, gives us a little bit more opportunity to work on things like that. So uh, I don't know, could be some fun. So keep an eye out for that in the next couple of weeks and uh, keep an eye out for a new Force Vision episode coming soon. Um, guys, what do you think of that? What do you think? So this is what I was thinking. Uh, with the the, if you guys haven't seen the movie trivia showdown, I'm having one of my buddies write the trivia for us, and then uh, basically we're gonna need someone to play as judge, and uh, we'll, we'll compete. Well, I've, whoever wants to compete can compete. I thought I'd bring in so, some guests. It's fun. For this, for the schmodown, what, what what questions are going to be asked? Are we, are we talking about like all movies, or are we going to do a theme like Korean movies? Because uh, I don't want to do a, a Korean movie theme. I, with, I don't uh, want to get Tanner. beat by Tanner that easy. So I don't. I I don't think Korean or or foreign film will be on the list. But I'll say I'll. Uh, it's probably going to be all movies. It's probably going to be all movies. And uh, but it'll be. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Those those things are. It's just. I don't know. It's challenging. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to play at home. And uh, for Force Vision, I want to do obviously just a straight up Star Wars uh, schmodown. And uh, people will see what we're we're gonna do. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I, I don't know if again if it works out because uh, you know I'll definitely I, I know Jay is a very busy man right now, and uh, he's definitely the the uh, the man behind the magic of this podcast. And we'll we'll need him to be able to do any of this. So. It's up to Jay. If Jay can make it uh, next week, then we'll we'll try and do it. If not, we'll just put it off to another time when it works best for everyone. How about that? I should I should hopefully be able to do it next week. Awesome. With my mandatory being in the office being pushed back. Oh, good. So <clears throat> things things have kind of slowed down for me. You're probably like, would you not go back, Jordan? Would you not go back to the office if you had the chance? Oh hell yeah, dude! If I can work remote for at least the <laughs> remainder of 2020. Yeah, that's what Tim and I are basically doing. Dope. Yeah, that's what Tim yeah. said. 
we're 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 basically remote through uh, September eighteenth. So. Yeah, I I miss I miss seeing other people. Oh, I do too. I wouldn't mind. I would like just I I would like for the U.S. nationwide for any job that can allow it to allow you to just be like pick and choose. You know, hey, these days I'm going to work from home. These days I'm going to go into the office. Having the ability to do both would be nice. But yeah, we live, yeah. we don't live in a fantasy land, so I don't know if that will ever happen. But I don't know. I don't know, guys. Um. Well, okay. Well, let's dive into this thing. Let's get this podcast going. Uh, guys, what did we watch this week? What did we watch this week? And since I have the Scoob review assigned to me, I will go last, and I'll let you guys go first, because the Scoob review is going to take the longest amount of time. So, uh, Jordan or Tim, what did you watch this week? Go for it, Tim. Or these uh, well, or these I'm past trying to remember. <clears throat> Has it been two weeks since our last? What, what did we watch? Tim Axic, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I honestly, I don't think I've watched really any movies. I've just been watching TV shows, um, mainly the FX version of What We Do in the Shadows. Been watching that. Um, that counts. Which is absolutely hilarious, uh, Max. I know you have been dabbling in it um, a little bit. It's a. Uh, if you're a big fan of the movie What We Do in the Shadows, I highly recommend. Um, checking out the FX show. It's written by the same people. Um, and you actually have some surprise cameos from the original cast, which is pretty, pretty uh, spectacular. And, you know, the humor's on par. It's nice because you get a, a new, uh, new set of characters. And then um, there's a lot of famous actors that just randomly pop up, like on the latest episode, uh, Mark Hamill actually um, showed up. And so uh, it, was a, it was pretty funny. Um, that's really all I've been watching, though. Dad and Parks and Rec. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I always watch Parks and Rec. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't branched out as much as I should. There's a lot of good content on uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu that I need to get around to start start dabbling in. But uh, it's just been kind of hard to sit down and find the time. Yeah. Yeah. Jay? I think, I think for me, like, I think it's been a while since I've talked to you guys. I know I've bought, gone through and watched a couple of like those Netflix original movies. I can't remember what the hell they were called. They were just, I think they're on like the top 10 and I was like, fuck it. But and some of them were good. Some of them were iffy. Um, I went through and these aren't new, but I went through and watched the justice league. My, my rents recently subscribed to YouTube TV. So unfortunately I can't get any director's cut or extended cuts like you had recommended Max. <laughs> but I watched Justice League. It was, it was awful. Yeah, I probably won't need to watch it again. Um, and then I went through and watched Batman versus Superman, and that was all right. It wasn't the greatest, and it's mainly because I I'm not as bought into Superman, um, and the whole DC universe, for the most part, like you guys are Max. Um, so I think if I was, it'd probably be all right. Um, but other than that, like it, community being on Netflix is a TV show community. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's probably my number one freaking TV series ever just cause it's so funny. Everyone loves um, community, man. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I'm on my second watch through in this quarantine time <laughs> and it's really? so wow. Oh, it, it's so good. Like season four is iffy just cause the, the show creator, Dan Harmon, um, was dropped due to some feuds with, I think, uh, corporate level peeps and uh, Chevy Chase at that point. Um, 
so season four is a little iffy, but it's still good. Like, but the main reason I'm watching that is because uh, two of the lead showrunners, Joel McHale and uh, Ken Jong, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, have been doing a podcast in the quarantine times called The Darkest Timeline, which is kind of a throwback to one of the episodes within the series. Oh. Um, and with Ken Jung being a former doctor, he kind of starts the podcast off and they kind of talk about COVID and all that and like his viewpoints and his wife's because she's a doctor as well. Um, but then they kind of dive into some of their favorite episodes of Community. So I've kind of been watching the series and kind of going back and watching episodes as they kind of discuss them within that podcast. But then they recently did a table read for um, charity. Kind of, I think it was a COVID support type of deal. But they had every single person within that cast besides Chevy Chase, of course, due to the circumstances that happened on the show. Um, they brought them all back and did a table read, and they had Pedro Pascal come in from The Mandalorian. Yeah. And filled in for one of, the, one of the, the people there. And it was so funny because Pedro cracked so hard <laughs> during one of the scenes, like towards the end of the show. <laughs> it was awesome. So if you have a chance to go listen to that, um, it's the darkest timeline. I can't, I can't remember. Um, and maybe, maybe it's not the darkest timeline. I think it's just a table read with community for COVID. Go look at that. The part with Pedro Pascal is freaking hilarious. Cause it's, it's literally him saying the word sperm eight times in a row and he can't <laughs> handle it. Can't get it <laughs> uh, but other than that, I mean, I think it's mainly been trying to catch up on some DC stuff to kind of see, what you guys have been talking about in past episodes. Um, Finally catching up with the greatness. Community. Uh, the two that I've watched, I don't know that you can say greatness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, that's, that's uh, every, you know, everyone has their own opinions and that's, that's all right. That's okay. That'll happen. That'll happen. I think, I, mean, uh, I think, they can't I think all be. It... What? Sorry, my headphones will like keep cutting out. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say, I think the, the mass majority of people would agree that Batman vs. Superman Justice League aren't that good. Yeah, yeah. no, it would. Justice That's League fair. was worse than the two, though, in my mind. And Batman vs. Superman, again, I will, I will fight for this, though. Batman vs. Superman, the director's cut, is the extended cut, rather, is a good yeah. movie. It's not great. It's not incredible. It's not, uh, this is the best movie ever. It's a good movie. Now it's a very long. It's serviceable. Movie. It's 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 serviceable, and it's a very long movie. And the thing is, that's the problem with it is that it's a good movie that's long, and you don't give a good you don't you don't watch just a good movie for three hours unless you're really really into the characters. So I I can watch it, but you don't a good movie cannot be just three hours because it no one's gonna want to watch it more than one. You just don't watch you watch great movies that are three hours long. You can't get away with good movies being watched more than that. So that's that's the the issue. But most people would say that and, you know, totally totally within their rights to think that. And uh, I would definitely understand their points. Um, but, yeah. Uh, oh, well, good, Jay. I'm glad you're catching up with the uh, the DC universe there. And uh, hopefully less... Uh, Try my best. Your disappointments come your way. We have much <laughs> more on uh, actually some DCEU news coming up as I mentioned in the uh, title role there. So uh, let's get to what I watched this, this past couple of weeks. Um, well, first, I just want to get this one out of the way. I watched uh, The Lovebirds on Netflix with Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. Um, and it was okay. It was, it was a serviceable 
Netflix movie to watch on a weekend. It wasn't anything spectacular. Uh, there were some laugh out loud moments, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't anything incredible. I'll, I'll say yeah. that. And uh, I don't know what it is with Kumail and his scripts that he keeps getting, but like they all revolve around terrible things happening. Uh, terrible. The they all revolve around the story revolves around being an Uber or Lyft person and and uh i don't know why that keeps happening to it but in uh the big sick he's an uber driver and uh in uh, uh that that one with dave batista i can't remember what that one was called i talked about this stuber on, stuber he's an uber driver and and uh and then in this movie they uh are in a they're in a car but something terrible happens, and they also use Lyft throughout the movie. They constantly say by name, Lyft. They're, it's, it circles around a car. So I don't know why a lot of Kumail scripts have to do with Uber and Lyft. But it's a trilogy. Are they just it's a trilogy it's, transportation? It's it's the it's the it's the ride hailing cinematic trilogy. universe is what it is. <laughs> it's it's un it's unbelievable. But uh, that's all I've been able to notice, unfortunately, with those movies. And like these are just okay. But yeah, it was good. I mean, it's uh, if you have free time and you're looking for something new to watch, I'd say maybe give it a shot. But it, you're not missing much if you don't see it. Uh, but you do get to see Kumail B, uh, who's like, this is on his way to being completely shredded Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, he's already in pretty good physical shape in the the movie, but uh, he's, you know, now he's just jacked out of his mind, you know, because he just wants to, uh, what happened there but he's just like hey you know i'm just gonna be ripped i guess because i'm in a superhero wait are you movie. questioning are you questioning okay yeah yeah <laughs> what did he what did he get cast in again what's the, the eternals that, that bullshit movie that no one the cares eternals about. yeah <laughs> no i actually care about that yeah i'm sure you do i'm sure you do <laughs> i'm sure you care about the eternals. It's, got, it's got a pretty good cast name one character from the eternals one character? One character's I name. Can't. The Black Knight. Yeah, okay. That's the easy one, because that's what Kit Harrington got cast as, so that's not even <laughs> fair. That was, like, the headline. But, uh, yeah, uh, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- th- I think Marvel could be in potential trouble coming up, because, like, no one knows any of these people, and, and they're going forward without Captain America and Iron Man. And, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, they'll bring, they'll bring them back if everything fails. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They could not back up a big enough Brinks truck to Robert Downey's house if they were starting to lose money. Yeah. Um. Anyways, back from my Marvel tangent, let's talk about a new tangent. Let's talk about Scoob. For those of you who don't know, no, I am a big Scooby Doo fan. Growing up, Scooby Doo was my favorite cartoon. Uh, I own a multitude of Scooby Doo merchandise. Well. I own a few things. So actually, not that I own like four things that Scooby Doo related. But one of the hey, things that's I more have, than most. Yeah, that's right. Well, one of the things I have and I still have and I'll never get rid of is my stuffed Scooby Doo doll that was like quote unquote life size that I was given when I was in like second or first grade for Christmas, and I still have it and I'll never get rid of it. It's it's you know all time. I remember that thing. It's scary. when you say life size, what what's the scale we're talking here? It's Just not the size like of a full grown Great Dane. It's not the size of a Great Dane, <laughs> but it's big. It's big. Okay. So it's rather big. It's rather big. And that's why I give Scoob a one out of <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so 
so I'm a big Scoob guy. I, I, I've, I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan. I've watched all the shows. I've watched not, I mean, uh, the animated movies got a little bit out of hand after like the fourth one. That, uh, the history of the animated Scooby-Doo movies, there was like four done by Hanna-Barbera. And then uh, that, that Hanna-Barbera studios got shut down and they were all, all the animated movie rights were handed over to a different company. And then they just started pumping them out like left and right. So I kind of, I haven't watched all those Scooby-Doo ones. I watched like the ones that were important, like the Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase, Scooby-Doo uh, Witches something, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Those ones that are like the, the, the good ones. Yeah. And I've seen most of the shows growing up. Obviously, Scooby-Doo, Mr. Um, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, this pup named Scooby-Doo. Um, the New Adventures of Scooby-Doo. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Age of Ultron. I, I saw all of them. Okay, and... okay. Is that, that last one's fake, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, I, you could name off as many <laughs> Scooby-Doo movies as yes. you want, and I wouldn't know the difference. Yes. <laughs> like, Scooby-Doo, like, Age Man, of they're Ultron. dipping their toes real deep. Yeah, uh, no, that, that, one, that one's fake. Uh, and leading up to my Scooby-Doo beloved... Scooby-Doo, Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and leading up to my beloved uh, Scooby-Doo show, which is Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. And one day I will do a... I will do a... a a think piece on this, on this podcast. Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, guys, is an incredible show. It is one of the best animated shows of this decade, which is a new decade, so the past decade, of the past decade, and uh, is, is one of the best, just one of the best animated shows, period, of the 2000s. It's got world building. It's got atmosphere. It's got character arcs. It's got a all-together, arc-together story. Each episode means something to the next. It's basically a, you know, a 16-hour, actually, it's like, what, it's like 20, 24 episodes a season, so that's like 12 hours worth of show. So it's basically like a 24-hour movie. Um, it's got incredible humor. It's got great mystery. I, I really cannot recommend it enough, guys. You have to go watch this. If you, want, if you like Avatar The Last Airbender, if you like any type of manga, if you like Dragon Ball Z, I mean, if you like, if you respect those shows because of how they are for all audiences, then you need to watch, uh, well, some manga, uh, some, some anime is for uh, all audiences, but you need to go watch Scoob, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. It's the best telling of Scooby-Doo ever. Which leads me to Scoob. Why I was so excited. Of course, we know the other Scooby-Doo movies. There was the two, Scooby-Doo 1, uh, uh, and Scooby Doo Two, Monsters Unleashed, and they were both they were both okay. I enjoy the first one as a child, and I still will pop it in during Halloween and still get a good kick out of it. And the second one was just okay, um, but you, they they have their own fans and respect all their own. And then there was now obviously Max, go ahead. Max one and two are those animated or are those live action? I know there's live action thrown in. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, exactly. The first Scooby-Doo one uh, uh, was uh, um, the, Scooby-Doo one and two were both live action with Freddie Prince okay. Jr. and um, um, and uh, shoot, what's her face? Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Matthew Lillard okay. and uh, who plays Velma? Uh, I, I, she's a big actress now, but I can't, I, I'm sure her name slipped in my mind, but it played Velma. Um, and then there was also the direct to like Cartoon Network. They're just the Cartoon Network live action ones that were 
just those, you know, Friday night event movies, kind of like a Disney Channel original. Um, and it had, uh, it had um, uh, Robbie Amell, Stephen Amell, who plays Arrow. Robbie Amell's, uh, who's the cousin of Stephen Amell, playing Freddy. And they're just directed TV kind of garbage movies. They're, they're anything special. Um, but the Mystery Incorp, my love for Mystery Incorporated had me super excited for pretty much any new Scooby-Doo content coming out. So when Scoob was announced, I was super excited. I'm like, all right, we're getting a full-blown animated Scooby-Doo movie. Um, and I, I just can't wait. I, this is going to be, they're, they're going to go all in on this type of universe. And I hope they create everything that, that makes Scooby-Doo special, where you can kind of mix some real fears and, and spookiness with uh, like the humor and silliness that you get in every Scooby-Doo movie. And I hope they build atmosphere. I want it to be like a Halloween classic where every single time it's, you know, spooky season and you want to throw on something that makes you feel like you're in that time, uh, at that time of year, you throw it on and it's just great. It's an instant watch. And I was really hoping for that. Scoob was not anywhere close to that. It's not anywhere close to that. Scoob lacks uh, humor. It lacks um any sort of atmosphere it lacks nostalgia it lacks in story and in writing it lacks in voice acting what everything in that yeah in scoob it just was so lackluster and so half-baked let's talk about i mean with the voice cast they re Scooby-Doo has had an established voice cast from for all of its cartoon movies and all of its cartoon shows for the past like 15 years. Matthew Lillard plays Shaggy. Um, Fred Welker does Scooby's voice and does Freddie Fred Jones' voice. Um, and then there's a couple other established actors who do Daphne and Velma. They've just been doing these voices for so long because they own them. They are those characters. And yeah. for some reason, Scoob decided, hey, you know what? We need to totally clean that clean slate. So they kept Fred Welker on as the voice of Scooby, but he wasn't Fred in this. They made Zac Efron Fred, and then they made uh, they made a dude. I don't even know who they who did they make as the other uh, cast. Let me pull them up real quick because I just want to make sure I get this right. They made yeah. Uh, who was what was what's his nuts that they read for? Uh, well, they made Will, uh, they made uh, Will Forte. Shaggy, Will Forte. Matthew yeah. Lillard has owned the Shaggy role as a voice actor and for for years now. And they recast Shaggy for some reason as Will Forte. Uh, they put, Do you think that was just a money thing? Uh, well, Will Forte costs, surely costs more money than Matthew Lillard. Surely. You think so? Even after oh. the tenure that Lillard had? Oh, I absolutely. Because I that's how – really? Well, yeah, because, I mean, dude, Lillard, Lillard does the direct-to-DVD Scooby-Doo movies. He voices all those. Oh. He, he, he voices this when it's like the latest one was like Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. And, and yeah. it was literally it, and Matthew Lillard did the voice there. So Will Forte plays Shaggy Rogers. Gina Rodriguez plays Velma Dinkley. Zach Enfron does Fred Jones. And Amanda Seyfried does Daphne Blake. So they recast oh, wow. all of these actors and actresses who established their role for some reason with new, you know, A-list actors and actresses. And I always find that kind of BS. Like, people don't go to watch an animated movie because who, the, there's an A-lister voicing them. And let's give love to the actual voice talent. These people are voice actors. That's why they're here, to be voice actors. Like, cast yeah. a voice actor in these roles. I don't understand why they constantly are trying to cast A-listers. 
that's that's it always has annoyed me and will forte is a great actor um and he's funny but he just he did not embody that shaggy voice that you like i mean it just it sounded off it just sounded it, it didn't have like the oomph behind did it sound it. off though because lillard's been doing it for 15 years yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's, that, the, main, I'm sure that's that, the main thing. I'm sure that plays into it, but it just—I don't know—something was just different about that. Um, so yeah. I wasn't—I was a big fan of the voice cast and how they were doing that. The story is kind of all over the place. At the beginning, it really makes you think, "Oh my God, they're killing it right now." They—they they really do a really great job of capturing that iconic Scooby Doo feel um, and the story that it was going to tell. And I was getting really excited. We're going to do these these mysteries and whatnot. There are no mysteries in this movie. There's no mystery whatsoever. Uh, the gang is hardly even together at all for the whole movie. Shaggy and Scoob are separated from Fred, Velma, and Daphne for pretty much the entire movie. Um, and the, the biggest thing that annoyed me about this movie is that it wasn't even a Scoob movie. It was a commercial for other Hanna-Barbera characters because for some un, unknown reason, they're wanting to do a Hanna-Barbera animated cinematic universe. So they had Captain Caveman in this. They had Dick Dastardly in this. They had Blue Falcon and, and Wonder Dog in this. Like these are classic Hanna-Barbera characters, but not ones that have passed the test of time. There's really only one character from that time period who has gone on and that's Scooby. But I guess if you're like, they're wanting to revitalize these characters, then it makes sense to try and maybe do a universe like that. But it was so annoying that they basically made Scoob a commercial for those other characters. It doesn't even feel like a Scooby-Doo movie. It feels like an event, an Avengers movie of the Hanna-Barbera characters uh, all in one. And it it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It wasn't interesting. And what people go to watch a Scooby-Doo movie for is for that mystery is for the gang being together and and for that sense of atmosphere and you don't get that at all in this movie you don't get it one bit um so the fact that they're you know really marketing this movie as a big it's a scooby-doo thing and just finding out that it's it's really the opposite of that it's not going to be what you hoped uh it was it was a huge bummer it was a huge bummer and it, it just i i couldn't the interest it couldn't carry my interest for for more than 30 minutes after the movie got started there's also just way too much referencing to the modern to, to today's time for some reason they're like they're they're mentioning dabbing and they're mentioning like different dance moves like twerking and stuff and it's just like that is so it's not even funny it's like it's so but you gotta think you gotta think when they make these movies nowadays like they're not making it for us they're making sure. it for younger kids that are into this whole culture that is going I, on right now. With and I, I, I get that. But there's, like ways that. To, there's ways to do that, though, and, and still have it be enjoyable for all audiences. Pixar, kids love all the Pixar movies, and, and all the adults love the Pixar movies. They, they have a balance. They have a sense of tone, and, and, and they know when to rein things in and when to not rein things in. And these movies yeah. constantly that are put out are just like they have no shame with the type of humor they're going for. They just know what they're trying to do and they're doing it. And then there's just this bizarre Simon Cowell appearance in this movie. Oh, like, there you go. They make a joke about Simon Cowell with the, with the Simon Cowell character in the show. And I'm like, this feels like this came out of 2002. Like Simon <laughs> Cowell is famous and everything still, but like 
referencing him as a joke is something from like literally 2002 when American Idol was just getting started and stuff. Like he's not like some people, everyone, some guy everyone talks about still. It just, it was a weirdly bizarre joke and, and very oddly placed character choice there, putting Simon Cowell in this film. Didn't get it. Yeah. Didn't like it. Um, and you guys just overall, that was, it just was not a good movie. It wasn't good at all. And I, I had more thoughts on this when I was watching it drunk, but I, I kind of just let it go by the wayside. I bought this movie for 25 bucks, and I'm probably going to watch it again just to see if I can find any redeeming qualities in it. But overall, it's a colossal disappointment. If anything, I hope... How many, like, how many, how many Scooby Snacks out of five? <laughs> oh, that's coming. That's coming. Because I'll, I'll say <laughs> this. I'll say this. If anything, I hope my $25 goes to funding a sequel that doesn't have to take on the massive weight of trying to launch a cinematic universe by introducing 18 characters. If they do a Scoob yeah. movie again, I, if they do a sequel to this, I hope it's Scoob and the gang in Coolsville doing mysteries or, or something like that as a team. So if anything, I hope my money goes towards funding that sequel because I would yeah. like to see that. I think there's a heart, there's, there's a heartbeat in this movie, but it's smothered by clearly corporate greed because they just want these other characters to take off to make mo movies and stuff on, which I don't, I, I, the, the, like, I don't understand that strategy. Who, no one's going to go see a Captain Caveman movie. No one's going to go see a Blue Falcon movie. Nobody's going to go see a Dick Dastardly movie. These are, they, no they would, but with the way that you say they're kind of throwing in jokes towards the younger audience, like, probably not, no. Yeah, like, with those I, older characters, you're not targeting a new audience with that. You're trying to target old. Yeah, and so it's I, it just overall colossal disappointment. I, I could not be more bummed by how that turned out. I had a sneaking suspicion by the just the press coming up to it. And when it was first announced, like two, two and a half years ago, they said that they were planning on, you know, bringing in other characters from the Hanna-Barbera universe. I was like, they're going to freaking bastardize this, aren't they? They're going to totally make yeah. this a commercial. And sure enough, they did. And it was such a bummer, and uh, Scoob was just not good for me. I, I literally what a, out of good. Go ahead, go. You go ahead and give me your Scooby Snacks score. Well, out of five Scooby Snacks, I'm going to give Scoob a one. It just was not. Okay. It was not enjoyable. Uh, I really don't. It's not rewatchable. No sense of nostalgia. No sense of 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 a cohesive story. Um, and overall, just not a very good film. There's some bright spots in there. There's a good heartbeat to it, but it needed much more and much less at the same time with different characters. So, uh, yeah, Scoob gets one out of five for me. Not a big fan. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, if it does get a sequel, they they listen to what you know fans would want and kind of stick to a traditional Scooby story. Um, so, those are my thoughts on okay. Scoob, and that's what we watched this week um okay well moving on moving on because we got a lot to talk about here um in the news this week in the news uh we got tenet trailer to a second tenet trailer uh the first one came out i don't know when but the second one just came out this past week and the it's second like, one it's like early march like it was yeah like, put them out really quick yeah um and this second one is definitely the moneymaker type trailer for me. It was, it, it had everything you want from a Nolan movie. It had the intrigue, the crazy plot going on, uh, the crazy idea for the story. with The, the mind fuckery. Yeah, exactly. 
all of that, all in one trailer. Also, they had the great music. Uh, they had the classic kind of Nolan dry humor in there. It honestly, it just felt like classic Nolan for me, and I've sort of who's, who's that. scoring this? Uh, actually, I don't know. Tim, do you know? Uh, I believe it's Lo- Ludwig Gornston. Yes, same guy as Mandalorian. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that's true. Let me just pull that up, and I'll be able to confirm that. Um, yeah, no, that uh, is true. Awesome. You don't need to check that. I know, Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, it's Lud- it's Ludwig. Um, yeah, the score sounds great. It's actually it's- Ludwig. Ludwig, and it just it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's um something I'm really excited about, and uh, it just it felt it feels like classic Nolan, man. It just you know we've had a long break because uh, he he did Dunkirk, which was kind of more of like a weird like a passion project of his, kind of a break off from the norm of what he typically does. He still kind of had his Nolan twist on how he told the story, but for the most part, it was much more just straightforward war film. Um, that was good. It was a good movie, but this one is back to back to form for what Christopher Nolan does. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited. Guys, what did you think of the trailer? I said uh, it earlier in the cast. Oh, go ahead, Tim. No, no, no. You, you got it, Jordan. No, no, Tim. After you. <laughs> Tim, Thank you. Tim, please. Tim. Uh, uh, I'm going to be catching my I mean, comments, not shooting them. <laughs> oh, oh, I like that. I like that. Um, I always love Christopher Nolan movies, and I mean – Every single one amazes me in uh, just a new way. Um, and I, I mean, after seeing this trailer, I don't know what to think. Um, I don't know what to expect. Uh, the, the whole thing that's going to cause like an end of the world inversion, not even sure what that even means. Um, I had to look it up afterwards. and I wasn't able to find really anything. Um, I mean, I, I think this is going to be probably the most mind fuckery movie that Christopher Nolan is going to make to date. Um, basically like an inception on steroids and seeing all the things like the actors are saying is, I mean, like uh, Robert Pattinson, he's doing an interview and he was like, yeah, before this interview, um, I was looking in the mirror. I'm like, what am I even going to say when they ask what the movie's about? He's like, I don't even fucking know what it's about. And I just think it's, I just think it's incredible. Yeah. Um, that I mean, Christopher Nolan, he's, he's a very, very intelligent man, and he, he is really um, expanding the way that movies are made and really kind of just giving us fresh new content. And I mean, especially with how things are going now, I think it's going to be probably the best movie we could have going back in the theaters because it's going to be something that really draws everyone in, um, really kickstarts that movie going experience kind of back to how it normally was. And it's not going to be something that you can predict what's going to happen. It's going to give every every moviegoer a um, really a uh, really good good uh, experience. But um, I'm excited to see what it's about. The whole aspect of them going back in time to stop something is pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, and like the whole. It's, yeah, I just I can't wait to see just how this actually plays out in a theater, like in the theater, because it's just like you you don't really have an idea, but then you kind of do, but then you're like, wait, how does that work? And you know, it's just one of those things that you're gonna have to watch probably several times to truly understand what Chris Nolan's trying to say, what he's trying to do with with the with the idea. Um, but yeah, man, I I could not be more excited for this. It's just it's just great, just. 
classic, classic Chris, you know, classic yeah. Chris. Chris. Just doing Chris things. Chris doing Chris things. Also, it was kind of fun to see uh, the cast in action here. Obviously, John David Washington, uh, Robert Pattinson had some speaking lines in this, and he he's great. Aaron Taylor Johnson's in this. I don't think I saw him in the trailer. He might be the villain. I don't think I saw him in the trailer, so he might be like a I surprise thought, uh, Yeah, I could see that. Because I was and, thinking, um, what's his name? Gild- Gilderoy Lockhart was going to be the villain. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no, he's in there as a villain. That's right. That's right. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. And then uh, Himesh Patel, who was in, uh, who was in uh, yesterday, is, is in this one as well. And I, I really liked Himesh. Yeah. Yesterday, and so you, can't, you can't have a Christopher Nolan movie without Michael Caine. Without Michael Kai. Michael Kai. Yeah. And he, you know, Michael looks great. He's he's as good as ever, man. So uh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time in theater. I also love like I with everyone's like going direct to D V D and everything or direct to digital. At the end of this trailer it said coming to theaters, like one word at a time to let you know, no, there's not gonna be anything like we're not doing that it's coming to theaters and i'm gonna stick by that i don't care how long you have to wait i don't care what the protocols need to be you're seeing tenant in theaters and i i love kind of chris Nolan just kind of sticking it sticking it to him there and and letting him know so fun fun thing fun things coming uh with tenant um okay moving on um let's go with the biggest news probably of the week the snyder cut the Snyder Cut is happening. It is official. The two-year, two-and-a-half-year battle to release Zack Snyder's quote-unquote Snyder Cut is finally coming to HBO Max in 2021. From The Hollywood Reporter, it is currently unclear what form Snyder's Justice League will take, whether it will be released as an almost four-hour director's cut or split into six chapters has yet to be decided, but the Snyders are now in the midst of reassembling much of their original post-production crew to score, cut, and add new and finish old visual effects, and yes, maybe bring back many of the actors to record additional dialogue. Also unclear is the cost of the endeavor. One source has pegged the effort in the $20 million range. Another source says that figure could be closer to $30 million. The parties involved had no comment. Quote from Zack Snyder here, it will be an entirely new thing. And especially talking to those who have seen the released movie, a new experience apart from that movie. Snyder tells Hollywood Reporter, noting that to this day, he has not watched the version released in theaters. You probably saw one fourth of what I did, the director notes, basing his judgment on what has been shared with him from Whedon's version. So lots of things that I sect here, guys, with the Snyder cut. Because so one he says it's going to be an entirely new thing literally from what has been described to him we have we've hardly seen what his story was what he had planned what he shot because he shot this whole movie before he got before he was uh replaced with joss whedon and walked away due to tragedy um he was he was completely done filming and he has hours and hours and hours of tape of 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 his of his film and Joss Whedon came in and pretty much reshot the entire movie, basically from scratch, and incorporated some of what Zach did with mostly what Joss is, what Joss was able to do. Um, so we're, this Justice League that's replacing that Justice League is going to be literally an entirely different film. Um, 
I, I guys, I couldn't be more excited for this because you know it, it it might not have any impact at all to the DCU overall. Zack Snyder's probably not coming back to direct more DCU DCU films, um, and this might literally again Ben Affleck's not coming back as Batman, and they're going forward with a new Batman. This is probably just literally going to be a replacement. It's like here's that, that's that. All of our plans are still the same as what we have for the future. No, we're not doing a direct sequel to that type of Justice League. No. We're not going to carry that Batman into new things. We're doing different things now going forward. And we're going to basically treat that Justice League like we always had, which is basically ignoring it. Um, but they're going to replace it uh, and bring it at HBO Max. Guys, what did you ever think this was going to happen? Did you ever really think this would happen? Or is this as big of a shock to you as it was to me? You knew it was going to happen. The amount of outcry that came out of that movie. Well, the thing is, the thing is, is I don't know if I ever did because he, he may have had finished film, but like there was no editing done. There was no score to his thing done. Uh, it was, it was actors on wires and in front of green screens and, and like unfinished CGI effects. It was, and, and to finish that, they would have had to give a ton of money. As this article says here, it's a 20 to $30 million endeavor to even try and finish this, which by the way, um, one of the higher ups at WB came out and said, because someone asked him like what the, what the budget was going to be. And he laughed at the $30 million mark. He goes, I wish it was going to cost me $30 million. I had no idea how undone this film was. So he's like, it would be really nice if it was going to cost me 30 million bucks, but it's going to cost much more than that. So they're, put, they're putting a damn big production budget into this thing for the HBO Max exclusive Justice League film. And you know they've they they've won over a lot of fans by by doing this um, by bringing HBO Max. Will they make all their money back that they that they just you know that they're putting into Justice League? They might. Um, it's, See, I don't it's think it's all about making their money back. It's more of making their like bringing their audience back because they kind of lost them with all this shit, right? Oh, I mean a little bit. They de- I mean uh, the other films still. We're doing well. Shazam did well. Aquaman did well. Um, uh, uh, pretty much every post. But in James terms, Justice in terms, yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much every post Justice League movie in the DC universe has done well. But um, this is what people wanted to see. Even people who weren't big fans of Justice League or don't even really care uh, one way or the other are excited to see this film. Because why wouldn't you be? It's like it's been hyped this much. Let's check check it out. And and so I I'm kind of in that boat. I'm of course I'm a huge DC fan. Um, so I, I couldn't be more excited, even if none of the things that get changed in there are going to carry over to new films. But, uh, I mean, Zach's have released a lot of things and, and you know what, even here's the thing, the movie he shot before he, he walked away from the film, the movie he shot, um, is not going to be the movie we see on HBO max because he's going to see what people didn't like and what people did like from the Justice League that hit theaters. And he's going to cut with what film he had. And he's probably going to go in an entirely different story direction than what he originally planned. So it's not going to be just something that like, oh, he had a finished edited film. We're going to put that out. No, he's now going to pretty much reassemble that entire film. And then it sounds like if he can, he's going to have cast come and do reshoots and, and do reshoot for the film. And I just think that's crazy. It's just so nuts that two years later they're going to do research shoots for a movie that's already come out uh, to to replace the one that was there before. Um, he's also put out Dark Side's going to be in this. He actually tweeted out a picture of Dark Side um, in uh, 
in his cut of the Justice League, and he's going to have Darkseid in there. There's going to be Martian Manhunter. There's going to be a lot of great DC goodness in here, and I, I couldn't be more excited. Um, Tim, you're probably excited for this. Uh, the original, he's bringing back the original crew, which means uh, they're doing away with uh, the original uh, score of Just League, and they're bringing in Junkie XL, who Junkie XL, of course, is Hans Zimmer's uh, protege. Um, and, and, and yes. Junkie. So Junkie XL is going to come in and rescore this whole film. It's basically. The score was so bad. Yeah, uh, Danny Elfman's score was not good. It was not good for that for Justice League. It just it lacked, it lacked, any. It just lacked what you need in a modern superhero movie. There was no like power behind it. It just it was way too many ballads. It just wasn't wasn't very good. Um, who did uh, who did the score for BVS? Hans Zimmer. Was it really? Or was it, did Hans Zimmer do Man of Steel and then Junkie XL? He did Man of Steel. Uh, Junkie, Junkie XL did uh, BBS. I don't know if I was a huge fan of uh, Batman vs. Superman score either. Oh, Batman vs. Superman score is amazing. Wonder Woman's, Wonder Woman's uh, score. See, I, I didn't like Wonder Woman's score. What? You didn't like the, you didn't like Wonder Woman's theme? But oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I was just that was just that was just like a little over the top for me. Mm. It, it it just kind of like hit you in the face. It's like punch you in the face with music. I don't know. Man, I, Man I, of Steel. I, that score, phenomenal. Hans yeah. Zimmer did a fantastic job with that. Yeah, Man of Steel was great. Hans Zimmer's a master. That was that was awesome. Um but uh, yeah, so are, and guys, are you excited for the Snyder Cut? Are you are you going to watch it when it comes out, or are you do you not care? Or, I mean, I, you have to be interested at this point. So you have to, you probably have to watch it, right? So tell me this, because I'm not, I haven't fully followed and don't completely understand. What the fuck is the difference between HBO Go, HBO Now, and HBO Max? Because it's coming to HBO Max, right? That was stated earlier. Yeah. So here's what I know. HBO Go gives you access to HBO movie, HBO's movie library, and it yeah. gives you access to um, HBO originals after they premiere, about an hour after they premiere. So that's HBO Go. Uh, yeah. HBO uh, Now is literally the HBO channel, but you can watch it at any time uh, from the HBO Now app. You can watch Game of Thrones live. Um, you can, you know, when those shows dropped live, you could watch those live. Um, I believe you, you basically just had live access to HBO and you also had access to their digital library of movies and TV shows like HBO Go, but HBO Go yeah. obviously was later. Now HBO Max is a completely different endeavor, which is a streaming service. So it doesn't, it's, it's HBO's library of movies plus a shit ton of other movies that AT&T has the rights to that they've uploaded, um, Plus, I think HBO Max is going to get every HBO channel original. Plus, HBO Max will have their own originals that won't be on any of the other HBO apps. Um, so it's kind of confusing. They they really HBO need to, needs to get their shit together. Yeah, they need to do uh, either a total rebrand of HBO Go and HBO Now, or figure something out because it's just yeah, it's a okay. little, it's a little. So confusing. it's going to be more exclusive content and original content. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part on Max. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. God, I was sitting there going like, they already have three platforms. Yeah. 
what the fuck is this? Like, and I think that like you think people that are there subscribing to Go or Now currently, like, do they have the option to maybe just transition over to Max and just drop the other two? Like, I think that's going to be one of the big things for me. Like, I don't have HBO Go now or uh, HBO Go or Now, so why would I subscribe to Max? Like, the one thing that's not going to pull me there is Justice League. Yeah, my I, I, you, yeah, no, you definitely have to weigh your options and kind of take a look at all three of them and see what makes best sense. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with those. Uh, I know I had HBO Go because it came with my AT&T plan uh, on my phone bill, but um, I'll definitely be subscribing to HBO Max with the Snyder Cut. I could, I could tell you that. That's definitely something I'll be, be doing, and I'm, I'm just super excited for uh, to, to see. I, I'm curious if this movie is super successful, if this birds, you know, a sequel to Justice League directed by Zack Snyder and brings back the original cast. Like if people go nuts for this and like, Oh my God, we need a sequel. Uh, Could it, could it do that? Or what if it sucks? What if it's even worse than the actual Justice League we got? What if it's even, it's, it's just a worse movie. I thought about that too. And man, can you imagine just sucking and then hyping it up? You're like, hell yeah. Fucking Snyder cut, baby. Let's go. And then just being let fucking down. Yeah. Dude, oh it's, my God. I, I think that's, I, there's a chance, there's a chance it could happen. I mean, this could be a long ass movie and uh, you just never know. Cause even, again, as I said, I like BBS, but at its best, BBS is not that great for other people. Um, I love Man of Steel. That's why I, I would love to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. Cause I, I think Man of Steel is one of the greatest superhero movies ever. I think it's incredible. Um, but uh, I, you know, not everyone feels that way about that film. So I'm excited, man. Couldn't be more excited for the Justice League. I think it's super exciting. They're for, they might be bringing back actors to do reshoots and really make a, a quality Justice League movie, which is all I've ever wanted. It's all I've ever wanted. Um, but, of course, because of the Snyder Cut being uh, the, the, the Snyder Cut being released, this also led to people wanting to see the Air Cut. Uh, and, and of course, David Ayer directed Suicide Squad, which was a much maligned by critics and fans alike. Superhero film uh, about the infamous uh, ragtag group of heroes, or anti-heroes, rather, and villains. Um, but, but uh, you know, the call is now out. Like, hey, we got Snyder's cut, let's see Ayer's cut. Well, David Ayer says finishing his Suicide Squad director's cut would be easy and cathartic. Um, from IndieWire, uh, with Zack Snyder's direct cut of Justice League now officially on the way in 2021 from HBO Max, the era of superhero fandom demanding filmmakers get a second chance at reimagining their studio movies is alive and thriving. On the heels of what of that news, Suicide Squad director David Ayer took to Twitter on Memorial Day to address fans hoping for the Ayer cut on his 2016 DC superhero villain action movie. This is a good question. My cut would be easy to complete, he says. It would be incredibly cathartic for me. It's exhausting getting your ass kicked for a film that got Edward Scissorhands treatment. The film I made has never been seen, Air tweeted. Now, do I believe anything could save Suicide Squad? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Unless David Ayer came out and said on Twitter, he's like, hey, by the way, the 45 minutes of them walking through a city fighting black blob people that's not in my cut. Then I'm like, okay, you have my attention. But if he's like, no, that's something that I definitely thought needed to be in there. Them walking through a city and pretending that they're becoming a family in 45 minutes of walking through a city together and fighting faceless, un, unthoughtful, uh, in terms of design, blob characters that have 
that have no, I mean, they're just the standard fodder for heroes to destroy in movies. And uh, it was, that's, I mean, it was a terrible part of Suicide Squad. I, I highly doubt anything could improve on this, on this movie. And the fact he says it's so easy to finish is that it's like, Hey man, I, I just, I sent in my movie and they cut all this stuff into this. And so my movie really was never seen. So like he actually has a cut that's finished and edited. Then yeah, that would be interesting to see. I mean, I can, I would still watch it probably, but I don't think anything's going to make Suicide Squad good guys. Do you think Suicide Squad yeah. could be saved at all? From what I, I still haven't now. seen it. From what I saw, no, it wasn't great. Tim, you haven't seen Suicide all. Squad? Nope. Yeah, there's really, there's really no reason to. Now, my question here, <laughs> yeah, my question here is: Do you think that we're going to start seeing or have an era begin where we're going to have like Zack Snyder's been talking about his cut for I don't know how long? Okay. But do you think you're going to have studios coming out pushing directors to announce that they have a studio cut if their original flops? Just you know, to get that second dip, I think I think it's uh, there's a there's potential there, but I think this is a very unique situation that's happening with the Snyder Cut. One, he has a streaming service now that can that can hold that. There was no, there would be no way that they would release a Snyder Cut theatrical run. They would never do that. Uh, but it, yeah. it could live on a streaming service. So the, the the circumstances are a little bit more in Zach's favor, as well as the fact that, uh, you know, I I don't know how Hollywood works really when it comes to filming. But I can't imagine many movies literally have an entirely different story within the film that was shot that that um, was different than what was shown in theaters. Meaning, like, like I doubt Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker that was you know is released as is, and we saw that movie. I highly doubt that you could go to JJ and he goes, "Yeah, I actually could build an entirely different movie with what I shot." It's like that's not yeah. that's not yeah. It's just like that's not something that happens, right? It's it's very rare that it happens. Um, David Ayer's Suicide Squad is much more like probably what happens with director's cuts. David Ayer gave them their cut, his cut. The studio sent it over to editors. The editors edited it to the way the studio wanted it to be, not necessarily the way director David Lynch wanted it to be, or David Lynch, David Ayer wanted it to be. And they put that out in theaters. And so you're like, oh, okay, well, this is already finished and done, and uh, let's see what that's all about. And you can put that out. I think... Zack Snyder's is a, just a much more of a dramatic difference because the whole movie was basically refilmed. So you really do have two different stories there. With Suicide Squad, I think the heart of the story is still going to be the same. You're still going to have the same issues. You're still going to have the Suicide Squad fighting Enchantress, a way overpowered superhero that the Suicide Squad really would should make. It makes no sense for them to have any shot against. And it's not an interesting villain because of that. Uh, that's still going to be a part of the story. Um, there's not a whole new film that was shot on top of that. So I don't think so, guys. I think you might get more directors, like director cuts from the actual film that was already there. But you're not. it's very rare that something like this is going to happen where there's literally an entirely different movie in the archives of the film for the movie itself. So I, I, I disagree. I, I, or I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I would be fine with director's cuts. I would love to see a J.J. Abrams director cut of the rise skywalker it's not going to change the story a ton but if it adds a few more uh a few more uh, little details here and there i'm sure that would be fun to see um yeah so uh, i don't know it's it's going to be interesting but yeah i i don't think that's really going to have a huge impact uh, to answer your question there jay um so yeah 
Uh, moving on from Suicide Squad and sticking with DC News. It was a big week for DC, guys. Big week for DC. Henry Cavill is DC's in talks. They're back, baby. Henry Cavill is in talks to return as Superman for Warner Bros. And I could not be happier. I could not be I happier. I thought he was already in talks. Uh, no. he. I mean, the rumor has heavily been that he is not coming back as Superman. That's what it's mostly been. And it's been reported on multiple times that he is, he's not going to come back as Superman. Uh, this is our first concrete rumors that Henry Cavill is going to be back as Superman. Um, the rap has, uh, this is a rap exclusive here, and they say two years after departing the role, Henry Cavill is in talks to once again portray Clark Kent Superman in his films based on DC Comics, Insider's Knowledge. Insiders with knowledge of the situation told the rap. The extent of Cavill's return to the role, whether it's just for additional work to be done on the upcoming Snyder Cut or, or, of Justice League, or for appearances in future films, has not been disclosed. Um, from what I've heard, it's, he's not, they don't have Man of Steel 2 in the works right now. That's not something they have in the cards. But what he is going to be doing is making cameo appearances in movies that he, with characters he already has ties to. Which, if we go back to when Shazam was out, that was actually kind of the original plan. They didn't know yet what to do with Superman, but they know they liked Henry Cavill as Superman. So it, but they didn't know, should we just reboot Superman and do, it, and do that, that whole thing again? Or should we have Superman played by Henry Cavill kind of be the quote-unquote Iron Man of the DC Universe where he makes appearances in other people's films and ties it all together by just being in the movies. And that's currently what's being speculated is going to happen. Um, he's apparently in talks to be Shazam and, and Shazam 2 and, and Aquaman 2 are two films that he is uh, apparently going to be uh, in in some capacity. Now, of course, if he comes back and people are so hyped and they love Sam being Superman in, in this, I think that's going to be enough for, to get Man of Steel 2 off the ground and get going. Um, you all know probably you, you all know my thoughts on Henry Cavill as uh, Superman. I think he is tremendous. I thought Man of Steel, again, is one of the best superhero movies of all time. Uh, I, I think it's so underappreciated as a superhero film. I think it's an incredible, incredible origin story. And uh, it's, it's told, it tells Superman in a different way but also in one that's familiar. Um, and I think Henry Cavill nails the role. I think he's the perfect Superman, perfect Superman. Um, he, I didn't quite care enough. I didn't really quite care for him in Batman vs. Superman, just because I, I wasn't that big of a fan of the way the character was written. Um, but I liked him in Justice League. I, even the way the Justice League, the Justice League we got, I liked him in that. I thought he, he did a good job. And there was uh, definitely the Superman that I want to see in there. Um, so to have him be in talks to come back, I couldn't be more excited. Tim, what are your thoughts on Henry Cavill coming back as Superman? Um, so I had already thought he was coming back, but <laughs> apparently I, <laughs> I was wrong. Um, no, I'm excited because I, I agree with you there. Uh, I think he is the perfect uh, Superman. Um, I can't think of any other actor that would be able to replace him. Um, and I, too, really, really enjoyed Man of Steel. I still don't understand why it did so poorly and why they didn't decide to make a Man of Steel 2 after that. I thought it was a fantastic story. I think it did a really good job humanizing Superman. Because, um, I mean, going into that, I was not a Superman fan at all. Because, I mean, basically the main problem is just he's kind of a two, goody two-shoes. He's all-powerful. And I didn't really understand DC that well. And I, I just didn't really have any interest. But after that movie, I was like, 
you know, I kind of like this because you get to see that that human side of him. And I thought they did a fantastic job. So I, I don't know why they never made a Man of Steel 2. Yeah. Um, I th- I'm excited I th- about it because – go ahead. Well, I, I think they didn't make a Man of Steel 2 because I think a lot of people who saw it were people who are familiar with Richard Donner's Superman um, and, and uh, that they were, like, really used to super optimistic, very bright and cheery Superman – and I think that's something we were going to get. I think that was something we were definitely going to get. It's just, these are the beginning of his life. Let's show some challenges that Superman actually is going to go through. Everyone always complains that he's this, uh, you know, big blue Boy Scout with no, no dimension to him. He's just this all perfect, all, you know, happy-go-lucky character, and there's no dimension to the character. Zack Snyder gave us that with Man of Steel, and people complained about it. He gave us a character with so much dimension that that took Superman in a completely different direction than any than any direction he's ever been taken. Um, so I, I loved him in that. But go ahead, Tim. What were you saying? Yeah. No. Um, I mean, I I never saw the original Superman. Who was who was the one you were talking about? The actor. Well, it was directed by Richard Donner, and it was directed by Richard Donner. And um, let's see, the the actor who plays him is. Um, Ah, uh, gosh, who, uh, uh, I know his name, it slipped in my, it slipped in my head, uh, it is, um, Christopher Reeve, plays Superman. That's right, that's right, I mean, I never saw that one, um, the, so I don't really have a way to compare, but again, I liked it because it, at that time as well, it was different than Marvel, because it did take, it did have that darker take to it, and, um, it, it really balanced out that, you know, very happy-go-lucky, um, very fun atmosphere that Marvel's established and it, it gave you something different while really allowing you to kind of connect with the character a little bit more especially a character that is an alien that has superpowers so I enjoyed it because it was a breath of fresh air um, but I mean again as I was saying I'm, I'm really excited especially if he's going to be in these upcoming films with like Aquaman and um, Shazam because you know, again, there there's not a better Superman out there um, that I can think of. And, you know, he plays the character well. I think it just comes down to um, if WB wants to sacrifice, you know, the money, which I think they should. Um, I don't think they should rewrite a new character. And, I mean, I would definitely be more interested um, if they did keep Henry Cavill because – if they get rid of him, then it's basically them just, I mean, what they've been kind of doing, starting from scratch. But um, at that point, it's really them just replacing Batman. And I'm perfectly fine with then having a Robert Pattinson replace Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, and I think that would ultimately save the DC um, universe because they're not doing a complete revamp. Um, they're keeping the same actors that they've already established and, um, just changing up the story, making it a little bit with a fresher, fresher mindset. And I think they've, they've got that mindset that right now with Wonder Woman and I mean, Shazam was, was pretty good. And I wasn't a fan of Aquaman, but it did pretty well. Um, and it was definitely better than what they had previously. So um, I think they're, they're starting to realize that they had the pieces. They just didn't have the direction. And, if they can keep the actors, I think they can, they can move it in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you on all fronts there, Tim. I think uh, this is great news for DC uh, to have him back. I think that's probably the second biggest thing people have been calling for next to the Snyder cut is, is uh, Henry uh, Cavill to be back as Superman. Um, and it's nice 
it's nice to win as a DC fan to kind of get a, a few things that you've been wanting uh, all in one week. Typically things are taken away from us, but uh, yeah, not this time. Um, moving on, speaking of Robert Pattinson, I just wanted to touch on this really quick. Uh, this is an old article now. This came out like three weeks ago, but Pattinson in an article with GQ was talking about the role of Batman and um, he's actually diving really into to the study of this character and how other actors came to be in uh, Batman and how they portrayed him. Even going as so far to look into George Clooney's time as Batman uh, back in the Batman and Robin days, that terrible, terrible movie. Um, so he's he's definitely committed to kind of figuring out how others approach the character and how he could approach it differently himself. Um, but the line that came out that got a lot of people riled up, which I, I don't really understand. I can see why some people might think it's a little annoying, but also at the same time, eh, who really cares? Uh, but Robert came out and said that uh, in, in quarantine, he has, uh, he's, he has trainers who left him weights and stuff like that who are begging him to do weightlifting and whatnot to uh, stay in shape for the role and uh robert robert had this to say uh, this is from insider uh robert Pattinson says he refuses to work out while quarantined and thinks that people who ex exercise frequently are quote unquote part of the problem i couldn't agree with you more robert uh i think if you're working out all the time you're part of the problem Pattinson, who stars as bruce wayne and matt reeves upcoming batman said and a new cover story for gq magazine you set a president batman said at fellow actors no one was doing this in the 70s, even James Dean. He wasn't exactly ripped, he added, referring to the late actor who's known for roles in East of Eden and Rebel Without a Cause. Robert pretty much had, had a dialogue on this of like, you know, no one was doing this in the 70s. Out of nowhere, everyone feels like they have to get in this most incredible shape, be ripped out of their minds to play these superheroes. And he's like, this is ridiculous. I, I, I. Now, I think Robert's just joking. I don't think he's, I, I, I think he's doing everything that the studio is asking him to do. And here's what I say. If Matt Reeves, who cast him as Batman, does not ha require him to be ripped out of his mind for his Batman, then he does not need to be ripped out of his mind. It, that's, that's, who cares? It, it doesn't, it will serve the story fine. He's going to look ripped in his bat suit, no matter what. They're going to put muscles in there and anything. It's going to look fine. It, it's not going to be a big deal. Unless, uh, unless there's a scene of him completely, you know, shirtless and he looks like thin as a rail and then you can see that he would, like, it doesn't make sense that he's a superhero because he didn't get his ass beat by anyone because he's like 180 pounds and, and six foot five, shaped like Gumby. But if he's just in suits and then in his bat suit the entire time and you can't tell, then what difference does it make? Um, so I don't, I don't really care. I don't think this is that big of a deal. Um, what I prefer, I mean, honestly, what I prefer, the actor playing Batman was taking it, his phys physicality super seriously and was getting ripped out of his mind for it. Sure, of course, that'd be nice if he was, because uh, it just, it helps sell the believability of the character. Um, but it's not necessary. If Matt Reeves doesn't think it's necessary, then I have no right saying that it's necessary. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear that, but that's, that's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know what was going on in the seventies with actors because I wasn't alive then. Um, I don't imagine they were taking it to the near extreme that they are now where they're working out for hours upon hours throughout the day and eating, you know, the correct nutrition. I, I think it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting take and 
yeah, I, I like how he's kind of going against what Hollywood has really become. It's, you know, every actor is essentially ripped out of his mind or her mind, I guess. Um, and they're just, you know, in, in incredible shape. Um, so it'd be, it'd be kind of interesting just to see a superhero that isn't super ripped. Now, with Batman, I mean, that's that's kind of what um, he needs to be. But it was Ben Affleck. I think he was a little too big. He was too muscular. Um, I enjoyed Christian Bale's kind of slimmer version. Yeah. It was just a little bit more defined. Um, and especially because I think this isn't this Batman supposed to be during his earlier stages or phases yeah. of you know his yeah. uh, um, vigilante career, so I think that I, I like the take because then it adds a little bit more character to the Batman. It's not just another ripped person playing the Dark Knight. You have someone who comes off as a little bit slimmer, someone who may not be as sure of what he's doing. He's new to the game, um, and I think it, it really adds to the character a lot more than someone just being like. Okay, got a lot of money. I'm ripped. I'm gonna become a. I'm gonna become Batman. You know. Yeah. So it, it kind of shows those origins a little bit more. Um. So you kind of get a feel for it. Yeah, and not you know it could be skinny and still be able to kick people's ass. So, and it it I, yeah. yeah. I think it's also I think he's probably just joking. I'm sure they're gonna have a fitness plan when he gets back, and he's gonna he's gonna look just fine. So I, I you know this got the internet and Batman fans up in a tizzy, and I just thought that was funny. So I wanted to uh, bring that in for people who hadn't heard. Um, okay, well, leave in mind the DC segment of the podcast. Um, Indiana Jones 5 um, not only is bringing back Harrison Ford, but it is confirmed to be directed by James Mangold. Now, James Mangold, uh, most notably, just recently directed Logan, which was a you know, big-time hit. Um, and, you know, everyone, everyone loved that movie. It's one of the greatest comic movies ever. But he also directed Ford vs. Oh, wait, was he? No, he was a director of Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah, he's Ford vs. Ferrari. Yeah, uh, I, Ford vs. Ferrari is one of my favorite movies of 2019. Absolutely incredible. Great movie. Um, oh, my God, I did not know he directed The Wolverine. I, I thought he directed only Logan. I did not know he directed The Wolverine. Okay. Huh. Okay. Uh, but he's done, he's a, he's a popular director, 310 to Yuma, Walk the Line. He's done, he has a great great resume of films uh, and he's he's crushed it he's crushed it in his career um so replacing steven spielberg with with james mangold for the first time in an Indiana jones franchise guys i think this is a brilliant move um steven spielberg is one of the all-time great directors but if you're going to bring back harrison ford for a fifth installment at his age i think you need something fresh you need someone's different perspective you need someone's mm -hmm. different ability to tell a story to make it interesting. And I think we're going to get that. I, I, I could not be more excited that, that James Mangold is going to be the one directing this because he's going to take it very seriously, um, but he's going to give it some, a, a fresh take and, and rein the series back in. God knows how awful Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was. An Indiana Jones movie should never be bad, and Crystal Skull was terrible. It was an awful movie. And uh, he's going to definitely rein things back in and offer a different perspective on Indiana Jones um, from, from an older age. Because, you know, Harrison and Her Indy are going to be, you know, the character of uh, Indy was always just cast to be the same age as Harrison, right? So it's going to be an older Indy. Um, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what James Mangold comes up with. What's an interesting story to tell here? And uh, so, yeah, I heard uh, 
I heard Harrison Ford only agreed to come back if they would have a CGI dog uh, playing opposite of him. Well, Shia LaBeouf could come back in some capacity and do motion work uh, for that. You know, he he could he could put on the blue suit with the balls and 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 you know get all get all uh you know get all uh a Caesar from Planet of the Apes up in this bitch. You know, really just. Sell that. Here's the thing, too. By the way, Shia LaBeouf obviously was in Indy Four and was uh, was uh, Harrison was Indiana's son in that. Do we think? Do we think Shia LaBeouf's could have come back? Because he was people hated Shia LaBeouf's character in Indy Four. But you know, I didn't Shia's, think he was terrible. I didn't I think mean, he was terrible either. I I've rewatched that movie a few times. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the original three. It's not completely awful though. I think it's okay. I've only seen it once, I mean, and it was in theaters. I, I'd i say it's a movie that you're okay with watching. It's not going to be your first choice. If it's on TV, you're like, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, I mean, I'd be kind of interested with Shia LaBeouf coming back, because when he, when he did that, that was kind of when he was Superstar. a little bit more immature. Yeah. And he was, and he was, you know, yeah, and he was, yeah, I mean, he was leading the French, uh, the Transformers franchise. He did Eagle Eye. He did, uh, yeah. he did this, Indy 4, huge franchise. He was becoming a leading man in Hollywood. Damn, they they had him picking up the hat at the end of that movie. And uh, before mm-hmm. he put the hat on, obviously, uh, Indy took it back. But they were basically saying, like, hey, when Harrison's ready to hang it up, Shia LaBeouf, yeah. <laughs> he's the new Indy. And it's just funny to see how far of a, career downturn well not downturn i mean it well it did for a bit child of career kind of dropped off the face of the earth there because of all the controversial shit he did but it's slowly coming back up he's he's earning his way back and uh, he's been tremendous in the things i've seen him in recently um so yeah. i'm curious if they if they're going to bring back uh shia at all or if they're just going to pretend that he that didn't happen or if he he's he it, that it did happen but he's not gonna have any role uh, and they might mention him in the movie but he's not gonna have any part of indy 5 which is probably for the best i think i think indy probably needs to ride off into the sunset don't want to see indy die but he needs to ride off into the sunset uh, one last adventure and and hand the reins over to a new person for the franchise yeah. but um, i mean with james mangold you know he's not not afraid to kill the main character He's not. Rest in peace, Logan. David Logan. And then 310 to Yuma. Um, Russell Crowe dies. The end. Although that's a remake, so I guess that's not a... Came out in 2007. We haven't but, seen it by now. But yeah. Um, but but I'll, that'd I'll say... Be, that'd be pretty sad if they did kill him off. Yeah, I hope they don't. Like... We don't need to see everyone get killed off. Just leave it be. Do you think they'll bring Sean Connery back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll bring all. They'll bring back old Sean, Sean Connery. My God. Um, but I will say this: uh, Frank Marshall, who's a producer on the on uh, the film, uh, says that he thinks uh, telling telling uh, Collider that I think James Mangold has a great relationship with Harrison Ford. It was all of the right pieces coming together at the right time. Um, and that Steven Spielberg is staying on as producer. So he's, they basically got the best of everything. You're going to get a fresh perspective with James Mangold as director. You're going to get the same nostalgic feel that you get with Indy with Steven Spielberg staying on as producer, kind of help guiding the tone 
Um, and, and yeah, like it's going to be, it's going to be, I, I can't wait. I think this is a perfect storm of, of things coming together and Indy five is going to be really exciting. And, and hopefully it's, it's, you know, treats the character of Indy. Well, and it's probably going to be his last movie. Um, okay. And one last thing I want to touch on in the news, Quentin Tarantino, uh, uh, today told, um, told Indy wire here, uh, that he revealed in January that he's uh, considered Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk to be the second best film of the 2010s. The announcement led fans to wonder what Django Unchained and Pulp Fiction considered to be the best movie of the last decade. And now Tarantino has made his pick. The Social Network. In an interview with Premiere, Tarantino says David Fitcher's 2010 Facebook drama crushes all the competitors. It calls screenwriter Aaron Sorkin the greatest active dialogist. Tarantino said, it's The Social Network, hands down. It is a number one because it's the best, and that's all. It crushes all competition. Um, and I wanted to touch on that. As listeners of the podcast know, I'm a huge social network fan. It's one of the most infinitely rewatchable movies for me. I just love to watch it because the dialogue in that, it, it, as, as he says, Aaron Sorkin's writing, it's incredible. It's just the like, dialogue's addictive to listen to. You could listen to it a thousand times, and it still feels new and fresh and punchy because he just – he nails it. It feels so real, and it's so, so good. Um, everyone in that movie gives a great performance as well, um, but I just love it. It's atmospheric, um, which is big for me. It's got great writing. Um, it's got a super interesting story about how one of the largest corporations in the world came to be. Um, it, it, I, I absolutely love this film. Absolutely love it, and I, I was super happy to see Quentin Tarantino who apparently has a, a an addiction to ranking films that came out too. Apparently he loves ranking movies. He loves making top 10 lists about different things for different movies. He, he absolutely loves it. Um, so to have him rank that the best movie of the 2010s, it made me feel happy because uh, how much I love that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. So I brought that up. Tim, uh, any thoughts on Tarantino uh, or Jordan? If you're, you're uh, have any thoughts on, on Tarantino and any uh, social network, the number one movie of the 2010s. Well, that's his opinion. Uh, I respect that. <laughs> yeah. There I mean, I, I think Social Network is a really good movie, but no. for me, I'd probably say the number one uh, movie of the 2010s was Inception, probably. Inception was 2010s? And July 13th, 2010. Damn, you're right. Yeah, Inception's up there. I think I think that has to be up there. That's great. It's That's great. it's kind of yeah. It, it's it, it's tough, honestly, to rank movies because there's there's ones that are very very good, but then there's those that just make you feel good and you know maybe not as high of quality, but you rewatch it more. Yeah, and it it, it also kind of depends on the feel. I do like Social Network though because it, it is a good movie to revisit, and and you know the dialogue has you says fantastic the actors are really good and um the, i mean it's a very interesting story and just kind of seeing how you know power can basically change someone and and you know kind of go against um their friendship and and, and betray people so um it's pretty pretty interesting pretty much it's every a, time it's, I, it's definitely good and pretty much every time i think of the social network i want to watch it i'm like man that, that that's yeah. like something i want to watch right now so and i'm gonna I mean, watch it after this podcast it has one of the it has one of the big biggest twists too, I'd say. Yeah. Because I thought it was about Twitter the entire time, and then all of a sudden it's Facebook. Well, you're <laughs> you and me are in the same boat because I could have swore this is a Zanga movie, and when it turned out that it was it was it was not that, 
I was like, what the hell? Well, is this Bebo? Realized, and it wasn't Bebo either. So when I realized this movie wasn't about Tom at MySpace, I almost lost it. <laughs> Remember Bebo? No. Was Bebo? It was a social networking site. And the only thing I remember about Bebo is Jordan had one. Jordan, uh, not Jordan Gatzer, Jordan Ward had one. And I was like, what I, was the hell say, I don't Bebo? know what the hell that is. Yeah, yeah. Bebo <laughs> was a social networking <laughs> website launched in 2005 that now describes itself as a company that dreams up ideas for phone social apps. Uh, so it's still a company, I guess, uh, but it is, it is not a social networking uh, website anymore. But yeah, that's uh, interesting. Bebo. Hmm. Um, it's kind of just seems like a, 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 a MySpace, a more generic MySpace to me from looking at images here on Google, Google Images. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, that's what's in the news, guys. That's, that's all that we got on the, on the topics there. Uh, so let's move on to our next thing here. And that's just stream it. We're going to call this, top, this section stream it. What movies we think you should watch this weekend that are streamable. For me, I'm just going to recommend the one I watched last week, uh, The Lovebirds. It's fun enough. It's funny enough. Um, definitely, I, I would say, you know, have a few drinks, have some dinner, watch the movie. It's, it's a good Friday night flick to enjoy with friend, family, loved one, uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Check that out. Uh, that's, that's my recommendation. Tim, what do you got? Let's see. A good streamable movie. Um... I would have to say, well, this is this is kind of old. I didn't. So this is an older movie, uh, Back to the Future. Watch the no, trilogy. That's fine. Yeah, you can. You can that's see on that Netflix. Everywhere. I would say Back to the Future. That is a very good uh, summer movie, um, especially with with everything kind of going on. It, it makes you feel a lot a lot better, and it's a very very happy movie. Um, oh other one if you have disney plus uh check out christopher robin um that is another <laughs> phenomenal movie best oh movie of 2018 there it is oh my yeah dear. it's been a while god it's been a while. i will say no other movie compares to winnie the pooh check out christopher robin you'll be happy probably shed a few tears it was very good jordan it, it was very good jordan any other uh, movies you want to stream I haven't I haven't watched this movie, but I just noticed today over lunch that it's on Netflix, uh, Uncut Gems. Oh yeah. Oh yes, that's right. I saw that was on there. I need, I want to check that out. So I've heard good things. I just haven't had time to sit down and binge it. Yeah, Uncut Gems is okay. I I, I thought it was a, I thought it was an okay movie. Uh, uh, a lot of people liked it more than I did, but yeah, yeah, definitely give it a shot. It's it's definitely out there. Um, okay, well, and let's go ahead and just move on to the final topic, our big topic of the uh, of the podcast, the main event. Um, with Tenet's trailer two dropping this past week, I wanted to take a quick look at the power of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking and his ideas. Um, now, we've always talked about wanting to do a breakdown of Christopher Nolan's filmography, and as soon as we actually get an actual schedule to do that, we will. But um, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Christopher Nolan and, and just kind of the power of what he's done. Um, for me, Christopher Nolan has influenced movies so much um, over the past, you know, two decades and longer. Um, he has he has really brought in a new dimension of filmmaking where 
every one of his movies have a, a feel to them that are completely unique, have an idea to them that are wholly original. Um, it, it, I, I almost want to say he's like the modern day like Hitchcock. He does these things that are just so unique that you just don't get with movies now, like every movie nowadays. It's just their original story ideas that just, you don't get the directors who have this many home runs. And he keeps coming up with new, fresh things to give us every single time. Uh, Inception with the diving into the dreams and Interstellar with the threads of the space-time continuum and, and, and the, the wormholes in space and making that all make sense. Dunkirk telling a war movie story from four different perspectives um, all the way now down to Tenet where it's uh, the time and if it's linear and and how you could play with time and, and how you're going back in time to save people from certain events it's just blows my mind and I think Christopher Nolan has just been so influential and most and, and, and more than anything else I think it's with the superhero genre uh, Christopher Nolan ushered in an era of, where superhero films can be taken seriously. There was a lot of time there where they, you know, in the 80s through the 90s, where they kind of were these silly, kind of pulpy, uh, or, or, you know, overboard type comic book movies. And he took Batman and took a very serious take on him um, and, and modernized that character and open the door for every single comic book movie that has come since then um, to take itself seriously and to be able to uh, really gather an audience around the superhero genre uh, to say, hey, these stories can be told in a serious way and um, and and can be just uh, could be up there with any other type of cinema. Um, I think the Dark Knight trilogy is far above beyond every other superhero movie that's come before uh, after it, but it set the precedent for what was to come. And I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, on what you think of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking uh, and, and everything that makes what he does special. Yeah, I mean, I Christopher Nolan is by far my favorite director, I have to say. And um, yeah, I agree, Dark Knight, the Dark Knight trilogy is probably the, some of the best superhero movies ever made, if not the best. But every movie has a different theme and he does a really good job developing out the story that makes that theme just play a very huge and integral part into it. So like with the prestige, how, I mean, it's about a group of magicians and essentially as a audience, the whole movie is a magic trick where mm -hmm. it has the audience looking one way. And then at the end, that's when they pull out the trick and you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. How did it, how did he pull this off? Um, which then they reveal at the end. So not only does the movie follow that, it has a life where, because I, I think the, the, what is it? There's three parts of a magic trick. There's the presentation, the something else. And then I think the last one's a prestige. And it, that's really what the movie is. Um, but then with like Inception, you know, completely new movie that no one's seen before where, it seems so far-fetched, but being able to go in and, and basically just present someone an idea, something so simple that takes so much work to then completely change the way they think. I mean, there's times where like I wake up and I had some random dream and I com completely alters my mood for that day or maybe the entire week. Yeah. So it's things like that that's 
you know, it's possible. And then Inception, I mean, I'm sorry, Interstellar, um, taking it out from, you know, kind of being on Earth, going out to uh, explore space. And I mean, the visuals in that were phenomenal. Um, and just the fact of how he plays with time in that is incredible and how, you know, as an audience, we see it only progress minutes, but then the next thing you know, it's 80 years. And, and, so, the, and the ideas are so creative that it just blows, like that's yeah. the most mind bending thing. It's like, not even the story. Well, like, how did you come up with this idea? It blows my mind. Have you seen um, him talk about him creating Memento? That is one of the most interesting things. He's uh, trying to describe what it, how he like talks about it. It's, basically, he says, okay, the way that it works is it's a timeline that starts at the beginning and the end, and then it meets in the middle. And so it's basically like a horseshoe shape where as you progress, it's, yes, because the in color, the scenes in color, it's going backwards in time. The scenes in black and white is going forwards in time. So you know how between those little scenes where he, you know, does something like, how did he get here? And then it flips back to the very beginning where it shows him before all this started. And those slowly progress throughout the movie until they meet in the very middle, which is the end. Um, which I think is just, phenomenal storytelling because you don't see movies like that especially movies done so well with starting with the very end of the, the movie you know how it ends you know he kills the guy but being able to attract the audience to stay engaged throughout that entire film even though you know what the end is is incredible um i've seen insomnia once I'd have to rewatch it. It was a while ago and it was a late night. But um, anyways, I don't want to go on and on about all these Nolan movies because we're going to have that Nolan podcast coming up soon, right? Oh, we're going to make it happen, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make it happen. Uh, but I, I appreciate you bringing those up because it, it, we're trying to honor Nolan as a filmmaker here on the, on the you know, uh, you know, the eve, the season's eve of his new movie coming out. Um, I think, and what I was trying to say there too with the Interstellar thing, it's not even the stories that blew my mind. It's like the ideas. It's the ideas he has. And I'm like, how can you possibly come up with this? Like, this is insane. Yeah. Like, how, how do you think of this stuff? And, and uh, mm -hmm. every, then every idea seems to be crazier than next. And it all makes perfect sense too in the story. Like, it all explains itself so well that you, you understand right. it and, um, and it leaves you wanting more and, and, uh, and he keeps, he keeps supplying it. He keeps supplying that, that want for more and with more mm -hmm. ideas and, and more creativity. And um, Christopher just, he's, he's an incredible director and I really cannot say enough about him. And like I said, we definitely want to dive into his filmography and kind of do a film by film breakdown because man, is it, is it good? It's, just I, I, I he's he's had nothing but good nothing but hits um i wasn't the biggest fan right. of memento but i i still respect it for the idea it was that was definitely the 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 spark that lit the christopher nolan fire um and he's been mm -hmm. the same way ever since so i uh, gotta gotta give it up for christopher nolan and, and all of the things he's been uh he's accomplished and will accomplish um yeah so yeah 
Um, okay, that's going to finish it up for today's podcast. And we uh, we went through a variety of topics, a lot of news that we covered over the that's come over out over the past couple of weeks since our last podcast. Um, thanks again, guys, so much for listening to this week's episode. Like I said, next week we're going to try and do those live streams with trivia. Should be a lot of fun if you want to join us on those live streams. Hey, who knows? We might bring you in for the 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 pop uh, for the end. Uh, for the trivia i just i gotta iron out the details on how that's all gonna work it's gonna be a lot of fun uh please join us for that uh tim and i are gonna be doing some drinking and recording a force vision tomorrow so that's gonna be out as well coming up soon so we're gonna have a couple brand new podcasts to listen to um as well and like i said in the housekeeping side subject please go subscribe to our youtube channel at cinemaxic uh we're gonna have content coming there we're gonna talk it over the guys the different things we want to bring but we're gonna kind of start dipping our toe into the waters there doing reviews doing think pieces, uh, editorials rather, um, and, and putting stuff out there and seeing what people think. I think it's going to be fun and we're going to try and build an audience. So uh, hopefully you all will uh, support us there like you do on the podcast. So thank you guys again so much for listening and being supporters. As you know, CinemaxicPod at gmail.com, Cinemaxic on Twitter, CinemaxicPod on Instagram. You can go download the Anchor app and you can leave us a voice message. We'll patch that voice message into the podcast. You can ask a question, you can have a comment, you can have a topic, whatever it may be. We'd love to hear from you and bring you into the podcast. Have you have some uh, viewer viewer engagement there. Um, but I think that's going to do it. That's that's everything I got to say. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Max Leadham at Max Fozzie. For my co-host, Tim Reichmith at Tim Trist, we want to say thank you again for listening and you'll be hearing from us very, very soon. And as always, Watch on.